0: Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by Social Media Examiner. We believe that with smart marketing, you can compete with the largest players in your industry. I'm your host, Michael Stelsner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. And yes, for those of you that are regular listeners, you might've noticed I changed up my script for the opening just a little bit. We've decided to come up with a creed. That creed again, we believe that with smart marketing, you can compete with the largest players in your industry. Do you love it? I love it. My team loves it. All right. Well, today we're going to be joined by Jessica Stansberry. And we're going to learn all about how to use YouTube to grow your business. By the way, if you want to reach me, I am at Stelsner on Instagram. And you can also email podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. Lastly, if you're new to this podcast, hit that subscribe button. You don't want to miss the amazing lineup of talent that I've got coming. And I guess there always is a PS, isn't there? Are you on Clubhouse? If so, be sure to follow the Social Media Examiner Club. Every weekend, I do a live Q&A with experts and you get a chance, typically on Saturday mornings, sometime between seven, either starting at 7 a.m. Pacific or 9 a.m. Pacific. You can come on and you can raise your hand and you can talk to me live and you can interact with the people that I bring onto the clubhouse. So just follow the Social Media Examiner Club. I'm also at Stelzner over on Clubhouse. Let's transition over to this week's interview with Jessica Stansberry. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Jessica Stansberry. If you don't know who Jessica is, she is host of the Hey Jessica podcast and founder of Hey Jessica, a company designed to help businesses grow with YouTube. Her courses include YouTube rock stars, And the YouTube Starter Toolkit. Jessica, welcome to the show.
1: Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. I'm pumped to be here.
0: I'm excited to have you. Today, Jessica and I will explore how to use YouTube to grow a business. But before we go there, I wanna hear your story. How the heck did you get into YouTube? Start wherever you wanna start.
1: Sure. So I started my business when I had my first son. And I just really didn't want to go back to corporate. And so I started doing whatever I could to make money. And at the time, my real only skills were graphic design. I went to college for advertising. And Mm -hmm. so I could have done that. But I live in like the smallest town in the world. They still don't really know what advertising is. So I was like, Oh, I'll do graphic design. And I built this graphic and web design company. And then what happened was we started having these conversations. I wasn't making any money. I was basically like broke. I was making enough to like, you know, put my kid in rec league soccer or something like that. And we started having these conversations around like when you go back to work, when you get a regular job, (laughs) like those kind of things. And I was like, no, I love my business. I love being an entrepreneur. I don't want to do that. And in having that conversation, I was like, how can I make sure that more people start to see me, more people start to know who I am? How can I really like stand out above everybody else doing what I do? And that's kind of where YouTube came in. So essentially, someone turned me on to the SEO benefits of having a YouTube video embedded in a blog post. And at the time I was blogging about like WordPress and SEO and things like that. But I didn't know that little piece of SEO. And I was like, okay, I'll try it. I'll throw a video up, you know, to go with this blog post today or I'll do this or whatever.
0: And how long ago was this just out of curiosity? Like what year is this approximately?
1: Yes. So I started throwing videos up, (laughs) which is what I like to say, what I did first um, in early 2016.
0: Okay. Okay. And what were you blogging about back then?
1: Yeah, back then it was WordPress, you know, any kind of like techie entrepreneur stuff. So anything that kind of fell in the tech and business world. So systems like email marketing systems, things like Skype or how to record your podcast, all of that kind of like tech side of entrepreneurship.
0: So keep going with the story. So what were your YouTube videos about? Were they about the very same things just in video form?
1: Mm -hmm. They were. And what happened was, I'd been turned on to this idea that it would be good for SEO. And then I was like, you know what, I have this blog post that I forget, you know, like if what came first, like the cart or the horse. But essentially, I was like, I've got to do this blog post about how to create an interactive Gmail signature. So I have this signature on my email, I I use Gmail, I run my emails through Gmail. And the signature at the bottom, I have my picture and like some interactive links. And people would be like, how did you do that? Because it's not intuitive in the software. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to create a tutorial about this. And I was like, but it would really make a lot more sense if I would just do a video. And that's my first YouTube video. If you go back to my channel and toggle to my oldest, it's my first one. And I don't show my face. And I put it up there. And I went to a conference later that year. And Again, I wasn't really taking YouTube seriously. It was just kind of like a throwing videos up that match my blog post. And I went to a conference and I wasn't speaking at it. And people were like, oh my gosh, I love to watch your channel. I use the Jessica Stansberry method. And I'm like, what is that? And it was this Gmail signature thing. And yeah, it kind of was like this light bulb moment for me to be like, oh my gosh, not only does it help with SEO, but these people knew who I was. I wasn't speaking. I was kind of new to this online entrepreneur space. And I was like, hey, I'm going to run with it.
0: (laughs) Cool. So then what happened next? Like you basically, you know, started blogging, started adding some videos, and then you started getting recognition for the videos. Like, keep going with the story. Like, when did it become a real part of your strategy?
1: Yeah. So it was about actually a year later after that. So I put up that first video early 2016, really started to kind of realize the benefits of it in, I'd say, early 2017. And I was like, you know what? I have already like put in, I'm already putting in the effort. Why not just put in just a little bit more effort and make sure that these videos are seen and I'm gaining subscribers. And this is a real platform for me. And so around July of 2017, I had about 500 subscribers, but all of those people were people from my existing audience. Like I'd sent them there, you know, from my blog or from my email list or whatever. And so I was like, I'm going to get serious about this. And I ended up going to an intensive in September. So that was in July. I ended up going to an intensive in September with Tim Schmoyer and Daryl Eaves and Jeremy Vest and all of these like YouTube Great awesome people, people right? Yeah. yeah. And at that moment, I had went from 500 subscribers just two months before to 1500. So I knew I was onto something. And then once I went to that intensive, I really saw the power of it. I mean, those guys are all like, oh my gosh, yes, do it, do it. You're great at it. Do it. And from there it just kind of snowballed.
0: So today, what's your channel about? And what do you what are you doing on the channel?
1: Yeah. So I teach brands and businesses how to grow organically and mostly with video. So I teach a lot of YouTube strategy, other video tactics. Um, and we'll throw in some, you know, tech here and there. I sometimes will still teach systems and things that, you know, light me up and create joy for me, right? Um, But it's mostly teaching entrepreneurs how to use video and YouTube to grow their brand organically.
0: And what has YouTube done for you?
1: Oh my goodness. (laughs) That's a good question. So much. Um, So I will say, you know, beyond just the obvious of like, oh, it's been able to grow my business because it definitely has. Nobody would know me at the level they know me at, like the amount of people who know me or the amount of people in my audience or on my email list or whatever, if it wasn't for YouTube. i I feel certain of that. I mean, yes, I'd probably still have an audience with a podcast and with all the other things I do, but YouTube has been the catalyst for my growth. But not only that, but it makes me literal sales every single day. Like I am always making money from something that started with a YouTube video, whether that is from a funnel that, you know, someone watched a YouTube video and they kind of went through the process, or whether a, that's a direct sale, or whether that's, you know, they just got on my email list and eventually they'll come to one of my webinars. And then, you know, we can't discount or I can't discount the fact I live in a tiny, tiny town and I'm like three hours from an airport, two hours to target. Like I I live in a very small town, very low income town too. And When last year in 2020, I made more just from YouTube AdSense. So like another stream of income for me, right? That's already making me money, but now it's making me money in a different way. I made more from YouTube AdSense last year than I made in my last year in corporate three years in with a bachelor's degree. So, I mean, that alone is just massive for me.
0: Well, and I would imagine it's also helped with your personal brand too, right? Because people begin to know you. For example, I'm sure when you're in Clubhouse, people recognize you and they ask you to come up on stage. Is that fair to say that that happens?
1: Oh, absolutely. I can't go on Clubhouse and get in a YouTube room if I'm not prepared to be pulled up on stage. (laughs) I'm like, nope, (laughs) I can't do this right now. Um, Absolutely. I mean, people, thankfully, people know me because that's kind of the whole point. And what's really cool is I've been able to build my brand with video, with voice and, uh, you know, and video as well. And people instantly recognize my voice too because I have an accent. And so people are like, oh my gosh, you're that Southern girl from YouTube. So, I mean, I couldn't have picked a better platform to help me get to where I am.
0: So we've talked a lot about the benefits of YouTube for you. Is there any other benefits that you want to share with people? What are the other benefits we haven't considered for those skeptics out there, you know, that are listening right now that are maybe working for a business that's not their own business, or maybe they aspire to be like you? Like what other advantages uh, have we not yet talked about that businesses ought to consider? Because they could be you. In a year or two, couldn't they?
1: Oh, 100%. I think there's two things. And one I've already mentioned several times, but we didn't, I didn't like expand on there. Um, The SEO benefits. So, I'm sure the listeners know this, but we'll say it just in case. Um, YouTube is owned by Google. And what happens with that is that when you are using both of their platforms, I mean, basically, you're like the favorite kid, right? They're like, here's a gold star student of the month. Um, And so the SEO benefits that happen when you take a video with keywords that are you know well done and well researched and you have a good video that's performing well on YouTube and you embed it in a blog post with similar keywords that's also going to do well in Google it just drives up the ability for both of those things to reach their potential so i can see And I have seen brands that really aren't a personal brand like me that are a company or, you know, a larger encompassing kind of thing. And they will start using this strategy and start to see they don't maybe they don't care about YouTube, but they start to see their blog post rank really high.
0: So at Social Media Examiner, uh, we find this to be true. We write an article For example, the article uh, we wrote on Clubhouse that's been, you know, one of the bigger articles that a lot of people probably have read, which is how to get started with Clubhouse. I can't remember the exact name of it, but we added a uh, video that I did into that article. That article is written by someone else, not me, but we added the video into it and the time on site went from six minutes to 12 minutes per person. So that means that all of a sudden we doubled the amount of session duration that someone was on our site. Now, that's a really important signal to Google because they got Google Analytics too, right? Which everybody forgets about. And they know that um, this is a quality piece of content if people are spending an average of 12 minutes, right? On it, and that's gonna help the longevity of the article. It also helped the video itself, right? Because in the beginning, the main way people were watching the video was from external sources. But then eventually it started getting into suggested videos on YouTube. Right. And it, yeah. and then all of a sudden it started leading to more subscribers. So there's this like amazing dual effect of having, and it doesn't matter. You can write the article first and, or you can do the video first, right? Like we've got plenty of videos. We've reverse engineered into articles and we've got totally. some articles that we've embedded videos into. And if you're in the business of content creation, the written word and the video word, this can be very, very powerful. Do you have anything you want to add to that?
1: Yeah. Just that, I mean, you're totally right. I've seen the same thing for myself as well. And everybody's brain is going to work differently. So, you know, it might be easier for you to write a blog post, and then make a video from it. Like say, Oh, that's the script then for the video. And that's just fine. For me, I do all the videos. And then it's really easy for my team to then take that and watch the video back and create an article from it. So I mean, it's, it's almost like a no brainer, easy way to do two forms of content that are going to do nothing but help you.
0: Cool. And your second thing that you were going to mention was, do you remember?
1: Yeah, my second thing was, and I'm sorry if you hear country trucks driving by my That's office. All good. That is the <laughs> that is the glory of living in the country. All the boys have the loud trucks. <laughs> but, um, the other thing is the longevity of the content, right? I mean, we think about social media in general, Facebook, Instagram, you know, Clubhouse, it, it di- disappears instantly. But, you know, all of these platforms, they have a short shelf life and YouTube doesn't. YouTube has this massively long shelf life where we can record a video today and it may or may not do well today, but in a year it may take off, and or it could continually take off for five years. So I think the longevity is something that people don't really realize as a benefit because someone could be watching your video from three years ago and be turned on to you as a brand, be exposed to you as a business and be like, oh my gosh, I need to find out more. And it's a, it's a video from three years ago. I mean, that happens to me all the time. My top videos still to this day are videos from two years ago.
0: Yeah. And that's really important too, because YouTube is a content machine, right? So they want you to stay on YouTube. So they're going to suggest videos for you to watch Mm -hmm. when you're watching videos. It's not just search. It's suggested videos is a big part of the game, right? So they know when someone's watching a video on, for example, Clubhouse that they might want to watch another video on Clubhouse, right? And that suggested thing can be a massive new audience that you're getting in front of, right? And that, that is like uh, create once and use for a very long time. I mean, it's crazy how long the tail is on content on YouTube. It's, it's ridiculous. And I love yeah. that because it's a huge return on investment, right? Because on Instagram, it's gone in a day, for example, with a story, right? Where on YouTube, it could be, it could be going. And then when you have a bunch of them going for you, that could be huge, right?
1: Oh, totally. And that's exactly what has happened for me um, is like, I will see these videos. I mean, I have a video about iMovie from four years ago that continually stays in my top 10 from four years ago. I look like a completely different person than I did four years ago. So it's it's just really cool to see that you know, the ability that has to continually grow my list, to continually grow my business and to continually put me out there in front of people I wouldn't have been in front of otherwise.
0: Awesome. All right. Well, I think we've made a really solid case that businesses need to consider using uh, YouTube. What I would love to do now is talk about some examples of um, businesses that have really grown as a result of their YouTube strategy. Do you have a couple of examples you could share with us?
1: Of course. So I have tons. Most of the people who take my courses are generally course creators because it's one of those things where, you know, they see me doing that and they're like, I want to do that. I need to buy her course, right? Mm-hmm. And so I have a ton of examples from course creators. There's this one course creator who has a very different, very niched niche. You know, she has a very, very interesting niche and it's not business related, which, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you can only grow if you're, you know, teaching other businesses, your B2B. And she's very much... So B2C.
0: Can you say what the niche is?
1: Yes. She teaches people how to make soap.
0: Oh, okay. Cool. All <laughs> right. Cool. Keep going.
1: Yeah. It's such a cool niche. And she went from like 200 subscribers to 1,000 subscribers pretty quickly once she kind of got serious about it. Right. And I actually just talked to her the other day because I was like, hey, I'd love to know where you're at and where, you know, what you're doing now. And she's at like 18,000 subscribers now, just a year later. And Has seen her income go from like nothing to pretty consistent. And she took months and months off. So, like, you know, she's able to make sales even though she took. I don't know if it was like six months or four months or whatever, off. And that is massive. I mean, even if you're the tiniest of business and you really, you know, let's say a family member gets sick or COVID happens, you know, and you really just need something in place to be able to drive some sales in if you're not the one at the helm you know, taking rain. And she was able to do that. And I always think that's such a fun one because it's like, she's making soap and she's teaching people how to make soap. And that's such a cool niche. And she's been able to excel massively with that.
0: Sweet. You got any other examples?
1: I do. Um, So I personally had a client uh, years ago now who was a real estate agent. And I believe she was a real estate agent in Tennessee, if I'm not mistaken. And she What we were like, oh, you know, I don't know. I I was even like, I don't know if this is going to be your best bet since you're, you know, location specific, right? But what happened was we created this strategy where she was not only sharing, you know, how to do things like how to buy a house, how to what is escrow, you know, like, what's this? What's that? She was sharing the how to's. So she was becoming a resource. And later she ended up building out courses and education for that. But because she started growing on YouTube, her brand grew. Because even though she was location specific, people from her area were starting to recognize her because they found her on YouTube as they were searching for this thing. And she was able to rank for, you know, real estate agent in Nashville, Tennessee, or whatever it was, really, really easily because we combined that SEO benefit. So I thought that one was really fun because... You know, you wouldn't think a location specific business could really jump into something like YouTube because it's so national or international, you know, and she was able to not only grow the local side of her business, but also hit record record numbers on like an education side because nobody else was really teaching these things. And she was able to kind of pull on that. And there's somebody else I want to just mention who's not been a client of mine, but I think he's an amazing example of this exact same thing. And that's Roger Wakefield. Do you know Roger? I sure do. Oh, my gosh. Roger is amazing.
0: We should say, yeah, he's a plumber out of Texas. So keep going.
1: Yep. He's a plumber out of Texas. And he started doing YouTube for a very similar reason to kind of, you know, expand his SEO expand the way people could find him and now he has this massive business he has one of the biggest plumbing companies in Texas i mean it's it's bananas to see how this can happen
0: we should state there's a little bit of a story roger was at social media marketing world a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and he received a call from his wife saying i think we're going to have to shut the business down literally halfway through the conference he ended up going to sessions that we were having with Daryl Eves and probably Tim Schmoyer and a number of other people and came back. And his son was there as well. And they said, all right, we're just going to go all in on YouTube. And they yeah. decided to go all in on YouTube. And in the beginning, it just didn't do very much. And then eventually it took off. Then the um, National like Plumbers Association or whatever asked them to start speaking And then he started training other plumbers how to get in the business of plumbing. And now he's got like one of the biggest channels, you know, for plumbing full stop. Right. So he went, he went and he, you know, he's got a great personality. He's like a 50 plus year old guy with a, you know, one of these like uh, old fashioned mustaches that comes down the face, super awesome personality. Right. But he's just absolutely crushed it. And I don't know how many, like, 50 plus million views or something crazy like that on his channel. So
1: for sure. And he's, he's so much like, he's such a good example because everybody thinks that like, it has to be this type of business or it has to be that type. And like, that's a great example you can go look for right now and see that like, he's literally doing a service and that's why he got on YouTube. And I love that story. I didn't know that he kind of got inspired at social media marketing world. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. All right. So hopefully people are beginning to understand that, uh, just about any kind of business can benefit from YouTube. Let's talk about some of the big mistakes, Jessica, that people make when it comes to YouTube, because there's a lot, but we can focus on <laughs> on a few of the big ones from your experience.
1: Yeah, so I would say the biggest one and and this would be one that I was making too. This was one that like Tim Schmoyer was like stop. <laughs> stop doing this and you'll grow. And he was right. And this is sending people off the platform too much. So when I got on YouTube, I was on YouTube as a marketer. Like I literally got on there to grow my business. And so my initial, you know, reaction is, okay, content. Okay, send them to my email list, right? So I was constantly in every video being like, hey, and, you know, go get this thing on my email list or whatever. And I was growing, but I wasn't growing at a rate where I thought I should be. And once I stopped doing that, and I say stopped, but I'm going to explain that in a second. Once I kind of, you know, took my foot off the gas a little bit with actually sending people off the platform, I grew. And that's because, just like you said a second ago, I mean, YouTube's job is to serve up content. Like, that's that's the job. And I always say that YouTube's job or the algorithm's job is to pair the right viewer with the right content. But one of their big, like, You know, sticking points is pair the right viewer with the right content so that viewer stays on the platform. (laughs) Like it's it's still a business; they still have advertisers who are you know paying them millions and millions and billions and bajillions of dollars, and they need to keep them happy. And if we're constantly sending people off platform, YouTube, it's kind of going to smack our hand a little. They're going to be like, "Mm, nope, you shouldn't do that. So this video is not going to be seen as much because you like looking at the analytics of this. Sure. People are coming here and you're doing everything right, but they're not extending their session on the platform.
0: Okay. Wait a second. So Jessica, there's some people saying, well, hold on a second, Jessica, I work for a <laughs> business and my job is to sell the business. So how's that going to work?
1: Yes. That was my question too. I was like, wait a minute. I don't understand. And you don't
0: have to give it all away right now. If we're going to talk about it a little bit later, but at least tease a little bit about how it works, you know?
1: sure so really what it comes down to is that it's just the same thing with any social media platform if you were constantly on instagram and like hey buy my thing hey buy my thing hey do this thing or you were on clubhouse and you were like buy this thing buy this thing nobody would buy it but it just for the pure effect of having the content out there and having the content be prevalent or present in the content machine as it is that is going to grow the business all on its own. Like you don't even have to do that. But what I always tell people is that we want to stick to kind of a soft pitch, a soft sell. Um, and I always like to put the number 80-20 on it. So essentially 80% of the time, you should be doing, you know, content that gives, gives, gives. It's kind of like Gary Vee's book, Jab, 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 Right Hook. You want to give, 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 give. Then you want to ask them for something. And so 80% of the time, your content should be teaching and helping and giving value and, you know, building your brand because it will build your brand at the same time. And then 20% of the time, you can actually say, hey, go get this thing from me. And I promise because I've tested it, You will get bigger results. You know, if you're constantly saying, go get this opt in from me or go get this freebie or whatever, however you're positioning it, then one, YouTube's not going to show your content as much. So you're not going to get as many views on your videos, which means not as many views, not as many clicks, right? Then if you switch to this other method, yes, 80% of your videos may not be you know getting people to download but on that 20% you're not making youtube mad because they already know you're you're good you you've proven yourself as someone who's going to keep people on the platform and so in that 20% of videos you can be like go get this thing i created this fun thing for you and it doesn't make the platform mad. And now these people have like built up a trust in you, and they're like, "Yes, I need this, and I need this now." So I have seen it with my own self and with clients and people who go through my course, where they might have been, let's say, let's take eight, uh, ten videos because that makes the scenario really easy to do the math on. And of those ten videos, they were promoting in every one. They might get, let's say you know, a hundred opt-ins. But if only two of those videos were promoting and the other eight were really, you know, just helping and being a piece of value, then they might have increased by 200 or 300 opt-ins on those two that are really focused on getting those opt-ins in.
0: Well, drill down on what you mean by soft pitch, because it's probably not just any kind of ask, right? I mean, tell us a little bit more about what that means.
1: Right. So I actually think you can soft pitch a lot more than the 80-20. But what I mean by soft pitch is, you know, slide an opt-in link in the description. <laughs> um, have an opt-in or, you know, a freebie link in your homepage. I will tell you, so, you know, on the homepage of YouTube up in the right hand corner, like where your uh, cover art is and you have the links to yeah, your website. Yeah. Yeah. Your yeah, social, yeah. yeah. So that right there, I've done experiments with this over the last several years, but most recently in the last like six months. And when I put an opt-in right there that's really aligned with what my audience wants and I make sure that my picture kind of draws attention to it, I usually do an arrow or like a graphic of what the thing is they're going to get. I see my opt-in rate skyrocket just Ooh. from that. Like I can tell that's what it's from. I
0: love this. Yeah. So what I'm hearing you say is you're creating that graphic that's up at the top, like, I, I don't know, the masthead, whatever they call that thing. And you're creating some sort of something probably with an arrow in it, right? Saying like, get my free something or another. And it's just one of those many icons that show up on the screen, right? Is that kind of what I'm hearing you yep. say?
1: Because right.
0: I, I love that because we're only just saying subscribe. Like we ought to do that too, right? Like uh, that is awesome. I think yeah. that's brilliant. And then probably on your about tab, you have similar kind of stuff, right? On YouTube mm-hmm. or no?
1: Yep. Yeah, I do. About tab. And then in the description of every video, I have the same opt-in. Or if it's a video where I feel like, oh, I should change this a little bit, I will. But that way, it's kind of a soft pitch. It's a soft ask. And you didn't you didn't like make YouTube mad because you didn't actually physically send people from there to there. You know, you are, they're, they're making that decision. They're digging deeper. They're going to your homepage. They're going to your description or your about tab. And my list has grown exponentially just from those sections and just from having that option. And then obviously the hard pitch in 20% of the time where you can literally replace whatever your call to action would normally be. So where you'd normally say subscribe or like this video or like, you know, like the kids' channels do, like smash that thumbs up button. Um, Like instead of doing that, do like a hard ask. Like, hey, I created this free thing and obviously make sure it aligns well with the video. You know, go over to suchandsuch.com to get that. That's when you really see massive impact.
0: Love it, love it, love it, love it. I know that email is a big part of your strategy, right? Getting those leads, Mm -hmm. getting those prospects on the email list. Do you have any other tips on how we can do that with, you know, our videos maybe in particular or anything else related to that?
1: Yeah. So the biggest thing, honestly, and I think it's the one that's missed most is what we were just talking about is on that cover art, really replacing that website link with A direct link to an opt-in of some sort and drawing attention to it. Um, I have done tests and they get that link will get clicked on about 30% more of the time when I actually draw attention to it with my photo. So with an arrow or whatever, sometimes I'll even put like a big bubble or something that just kind of draws the eyeball over there. So that is number one for sure. Real
0: quick on that. Is there anything we need to be cognizant of for mobile users? Because doesn't it look a little different on the phone versus the desktop? Or is that it does okay
1: it totally does and sometimes i just chalk it up to like oh well hopefully they'll see it (laughs) because it is really hard to get it in just the right position you know to where everybody's gonna see it but for the most part if you can create that's a lot of times while while i'll do like a spotlight on it instead of an arrow Hmm. that way it's a big like a big yellow circle or something and so it at least draws their eye over there even if it's not directly on it
0: perfect Okay, what else are yeah. you going to say about getting emails?
1: Yeah, so mention things organically. I think a lot of times we forget that we have these resources that people actually do want. And so in our head as marketers, we're like, oh, we have to mention this thing or we have to talk about this thing, but we probably have 30 other resources that they might need. And so there are a lot of times where even in my 80% where I shouldn't be pitching and sending people off the platform, I don't necessarily send them, but I'm like, hey, oh, while I'm talking about you know, click up or whatever i'm talking about. I have a link below in the description that you can go check that out. And I don't pop it across the screen. I don't really draw a ton of attention so they don't go off my video, but once they're done, then it's kind of mentioned in there. So so those organic mentions that just fit while you're talking about something like those are so so easy.
0: I see this a lot with a lot of YouTubers where they say, click the link in the description, but I do see other YouTubers where they just point up to the top and I don't even remember what they call that, uh, like a card or whatever, right? Will pop up like a text thing that you can click on. So you're saying it's better to just say link in the description because you don't want to disrupt the viewing session. Is that kind of what I'm hearing you say?
1: Yes. If you're in that 80% Like if that's one of your videos where you really don't want to be sending people off and you're following this 80, 80, 20 rule. Yes. You don't want to put a card because that would literally send them off like with an easy click that makes it too easy. (laughs) And plus then you're kind of vetting the people on your email list, right? Like they had to work to get there and they're still doing it. I promise I've tried it. It works. Um, But then in your 20%, when you're hard selling those opt-ins, when you're hard, like, yes, go click on this thing, absolutely throw those cards across that will let, people click on your link for sure.
0: Do you ever use end cards and end screens to try to get people onto an email list uh, at the very, very end of a video?
1: Mm-hmm. I do, but only in that 20%. So I try to make sure, because again, at the end of a video, you really like to, to excel on YouTube, you really want them to watch another video. You really want them to like g- keep going on the platform. So I will do that, but I only do it in those 20% videos. So, you know, when it really, I'm already hard selling, so it's not really going to hurt my analytics too much.
0: I want to ask you a little bit about this 80, 20 thing. So We at Social Media Examiner are kind of 100% give and we're not asking at all, but we are in growth phase, right? So we're we're about a year and a half into doing this. And as of this recording, we're probably at 115, 120,000 subs and about 400,000 video views a month. So we're heading in the right direction. But at a certain point, I do want to flip the switch and start doing some of these 20%, you know, if you will, videos. Give people advice on the 20% videos like how do they differ like what are we talking about in those kinds of videos
1: yeah so I don't think they differ and here's where you find the magic so if you can do a lot of research just like you're doing like really throw a lot at the give and really figure out what works good on your channel then you'll know what videos are going to do well and what are not. Like you knew that that clubhouse video was going to do well because it was a perfect storm, right? right, right. New platform, social media examiner, like it was just perfect. So I think what really creates this like amazingly awesome, you know, ecosystem is when you can know what video is going to do well and let that video be in your 20%. So it's It's going to do well just by its own nature. Yeah.
0: Got it. Because just because people are watching the darn thing, really, right?
1: Mm hmm. Yeah. So your clubhouse video probably would have done well, regardless of whether you sent people off the platform. I see. Yeah. Cause it just, the, the topic was well done. The keywords were well done. It's a, you know, it wasn't super oversaturated, like it was kind of the perfect storm. And so if you can find ways to make those types of videos be in your hard sell 20%, then you're kind of getting the best of both worlds too. So essentially in, all your YouTube videos, you want a call to action, right? And most of the time, it's subscribe, thumbs up, comment, like some kind of YouTube-specific call to action. But... If you replace all of those in those, what you want to do is in those 20%, you want to replace any calls to action, you basically, the job of those videos is to get people somewhere else. And so you say, I'm not going to tell them to subscribe or ask them. I'm not going to tell them to hit the thumbs up or whatever. I'm just going to say, here's this thing. And that way, it's like a hard ask. You're literally like, I'm giving you the link. Here is this thing. I'm giving you a card. I'm giving you a direct you know, clickable thing that will take you over here. And that way they don't have an option. I mean, because you know how it is with marketing. You have to tell people what you want them to do. And so unfortunately, that's how we are as humans is like, tell me what to do. I don't know what you want. So in that 20%, you really do that like hard ask.
0: Give us an example of how you do it on your 20%. Yeah,
1: Yeah, so what I'll normally do is, first of all, I will make sure the topic is hopefully going to do well on its own. I think that's really important because you don't want a video to completely flop when you're already kind of stacking things against it because you're sending people off the platform in like a hard ask way. So I always try and make sure that the video is going to do well. Again, you can't always know that, but we have analytics to kind of tell us what does best for us, right? And then I will create opt-ins or, you know, let's say I'm talking about a webinar I'm hosting or whatever. I will make sure it's specific to the topic of that video. Like it's not just a generic thing that I want to promote. It's literally specific to that video. So for instance, I did a ClickUp tutorial. Actually, years ago, I did a Trello tutorial. Um, I'm big on these like project management systems. They're always so fun to learn. But I did these Trello videos years ago. And I, in the very beginning of the video, not very beginning, I hooked them like you're supposed to. And then I was like, hey, so just so you know, we're going to talk about Trello in this video, but a lot of people have a hard time figuring out exactly how to make it work for them. So I've created some templates that you can download for Trello. So I have a YouTube template that will help you, you know, streamline your YouTube workflow, or I have this template or I have that one. And um, to grab those, you want to go to whatever.com. And so I do it in the beginning and then I also do it again at the end. Also, it's linked in cards. Also, it's linked in the description. But it also fits really well with the topic.
0: Where do you insert that? Uh, at what point when you say the beginning? Do you do you do it after like your your hook and your opening? Or do you do it like yeah. after like a minute? Or when do you insert that typical?
1: Yeah it's almost always after my hook and and my intro. So I always I'm like, you know, want to learn how to do, da, 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 right? With the like standard hook and then I'm like, "Hey, I'm Jessica. Here's my thing. And it'll be right after that."
0: And at that point, are you actually putting the clickable link right up above the top of the video because you want them to click on it or are you telling them it's in the description typically?
1: No, in that 20%, I do it on the card. I put the URL across the screen as well and tell them it's in the description. Because, you know, on mobile, they might have a hard time clicking the card or they might not be able to see the URL super well or they maybe they didn't hear me, you know, or my accent caused them to not understand what I said (laughs) because that happens. Um, And so I'll be like, and it's in the description too. So I basically just put it
0: everywhere. And then at the end do you wait till like the last 15 seconds kind of thing to pitch it so that they get far into the video or how do you do that at the end?
1: Yeah, at the end, it's kind of in my closing statement. So where I would normally wrap things up and be like, hey, make sure you subscribe. Or I would normally say like, let's chat this out in the comments below. That I would just remove that piece, which is usually in that last, yeah, 20, 40 seconds, something like that. And I would throw in another like, don't forget if you wanna grab these templates that I've created and I'll pop them up on the screen and then I'll, I'll do the same thing. Put another card across, put another URL across the screen put another link in the description. And that way it's like a hard ask. And then, like you said, on the end screen, in those videos, on the end screen, I absolutely do put a link as well.
0: Have you ever seen anybody do what I'm about to propose? Hey, we've got uh, a bunch of great videos coming. And if you want to get notified, click here and get on our email list so you can get notified because, you know, YouTube doesn't do that anymore. Does that work even? Cause you know how, like with your favorite YouTubers now that they don't do the the email notifications anymore, that some people just forget to go Mm -hmm. check out their YouTube videos. I mean, is that something that's too generic in your opinion to try to get their email address?
1: Yeah, I think it is. I think you have to be pretty specific, but I think what could work. And also we have to remember that people don't like to cross platforms. You know, they're they're not like, oh, I don't want an email, that which is probably why YouTube doesn't do it anymore. They're probably like, I don't want an email to tell me when a new video is live. I want I something that, on YouTube. They want something
0: free. That's what's going to incentivize them to get the email, right? Like a free something yes. or another, right? Exactly. Any other tips on selling on YouTube?
1: Oh my gosh. I have lots of tips on selling on YouTube. So I think, you know, we talked a lot about like the free things, but I think there's, you know, the opportunity to directly sell you know, to actually sell on the platform. And the big thing with that is a lot of times people will think about that and be like, oh, I'm going to sell. Sure, I'm going to promote my $1,000 course or whatever. And I don't think that is the best option because you're kind of asking for, you know, marriage before you've had the first date kind of thing, you know. But I think it's really easy and it's a no-brainer if you want to sell low-cost offers directly on YouTube. So it goes along with that same 80-20. It's just that part of your 20. So let's say it's 10 videos, so you'd have two that were hard hard selling. Maybe one of them is a hard sell to an actual $27 offer or $17 offer, and then one of them's to your email list, because those offers are growing your email list too. And I personally have had a ton of success selling low-cost offers directly from YouTube videos, which you know, they say you shouldn't do, but I've had a ton of success with that. But again, it's the correct pairing of a video I know is going to do well with people who are going to watch it and be like, wait, I need more. And then bottling up a pretty cheap offer for them to make a no brainer decision.
0: Yeah. Do you find that um, this works better with longer, more educational videos than the shorter ones, or is it kind of works no matter what the length of the video?
1: I think as long as it fits, it really doesn't matter. So I have I have two specific examples for me. So I have a video that kind of accidentally went viral, and I say accidentally, I knew it would. It's just that I didn't really mean for it to happen um, in the moment that it did. But I discovered this world of like good notes on the iPad, and they people make um, digital planners, and so essentially just like a paper planner that you can purchase, you know, in the store, you can. Download a digital planner that has like clickable tabs so you can go to like February or whatever that works in Good Notes on your iPad. And I just basically found it and was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. I have to share this. And I knew it would do well because, same thing with your clubhouse video, there wasn't a ton of people talking about it. There wasn't, you know, a lot of people showing demonstration of it, nothing like that. So I was like, you know what? I'm not sharing this video until I have my own planner that I can use, like designed to put in the video, because that's what's going to cause people to go, where did you get that? I know that, you know, as a marketer, I know that. So essentially, I did this digital planner video, and it was a long tail video, for sure. It was definitely a longer form video. And I'm like, this is how you use digital planners. Like you need an iPad, you need good notes, you need all these things. And I was just showing them my planner in the example, like, this is how you do it. And I was like, oh, by the way, this is a planner I designed. I'll put the link to grab those as whatever. It was a hard sell video. So I was like, the link to grab those is whatever. It's also in the description. And that video within its first two months, not only increased my subscriber rate by an exponential amount, but also made me about $10,000 off wow. of one $27 product.
0: That is so cool. Yeah, So Jessica, this has been really, really fascinating. If people want to, first of all, find your YouTube channel, where can they find you? And if they want to track you down and see all the great stuff you've got going on, where do you want to send them?
1: Yeah, so you can find me everywhere by my name, Jessica Stansberry. If it's too long to fit, I take out some letters at the end, but because on Clubhouse, I can't put them my whole last name. So on YouTube, you can just look up my name, Jessica Stansberry. But I created a fun little page to put all the links everywhere for you guys and kind of, you know, give you more direction. So you can just go to heyjessica.com forward slash S-M-E. And that will give you like all the links to my social, all the links to everything we talked about today and a fun little video.
0: Sweet. Jessica Stansberry, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your excitement, your energy, and all your little tips and stuff. This I've got notes in front of me for my team. Thank you.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast.
0: I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. And if you missed anything, we took all the notes for you. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash 452. Hit that subscribe button if you're new to this show. And if you've been a longtime listener, would you let your friends know about the show? You can tag me, I'm at Stelzner over on Instagram. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelsner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day. And may social media continue to change your world.